Adventures in the Dungeon. I am Tom Gross with Dan Ream. And hello, hello. We are here to talk about Waterdeep. Conti- yes. Continue our New Year's promise that we would start a new adventure. Uh, start recapping, rather, a new adventure. And uh, and so this is it. But before we dive into Waterdeep, sorry, <laughs> that you, we brought, you brought that up last time. We need a new one now. But <laughs> Before we uh, get into the adventure, wanted to talk a little bit about, Dan, the things you've been doing in the game room. You've been posting pictures on Instagram oh, right. of some of the things you've talked about, some gifts that you got for Christmas that are going down there. You mm-hmm. made some you made some pretty significant changes. I can't wait to get down and see the dungeon where we play yeah. uh, the games. But uh, tell us a little bit about that. Well, that was just the, uh, as most of you know, teachers have time off over Christmas break like the students do. So that's sort of, that was on my checklist was to continue working on upgrading the, the game room. Yeah. So this is sort of an ongoing thing on Instagram and had some, very helpful comments from some folks about some things I could do differently. So I just put a lot of those into uh, into practice and mm-hmm. got some some new shelving to kind of show off the um, the terrain pieces, get them out of the rather cheap and nasty Sterilite shelves <laughs> with, and all that that they were on. Yes. So it's more spacious. I was able to move some stuff out of the way. We can move around the table a little more easily and yes the 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 decor is coming together so hopefully it feels a little more like um, well actually my daughter did painted a couple walls for it to make it look you know oh, nice. distinct and and uh, in her mind it now looks a little like a tavern setting so that's cool yes so I might have to to add on to that so yeah work in progress probably always will be but it's coming together, kind of a fun side project. Very good. Because I, I need more of those. Yeah, <laughs> right? We all do. One thing that came to mind, you may not like this comparison, but uh, when when I saw on Instagram the pictures of the new shelving with your terrain pieces and the buildings and things that you've built mm-hmm. up on those shelves, I couldn't help but think of, uh, I had a Mr. Rogers flashback <laughs> to where he takes, remember he had a shelf with the, the, the buildings of the village that he would send the trolley to, yeah. and he'd pull those off the shelf sometimes. That's what I thought of. <laughs> but I know that when I'm sitting at the table, I never feel like I'm Mr. Rogers in Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. <laughs> it's a different kind of neighborhood that we're sitting in, uh, one with blood and gore. and That might have made me watch the show if it had a little more of that. I could <laughs> never get... <clears throat> if he... You know, whacked one of those puppets every once in a while. I never could get into that show. Oh. It was like a fever dream watching it. Really? Yeah, to me, it's just so slow. Oh, and, man. And just dreamy, but sort of the kind of dreamy where you feel like yeah. <laughs> your head's not quite right. Huh. I, I Definitely by today's standards, it is. it would be, the kids today would find Mr. Rogers to be utterly dreadful and boring. <laughs> But I always enjoyed it. I, I liked I liked it when the trolley came and then and then it would go and you go into this village and the one character that always stands out in my mind is not the character they chose to animate on PBS. That Daniel Tiger is the is a character on PBS now. Right. That uh, that they've taken from that Mr. Rogers. Okay. I would have definitely grabbed Lady Elaine. Oh, the really the voice. That, yes. Oh man. Nails on a chocolate. Oh, anyway. Anyway, so well done. Well done. I can't wait to play in uh, the game room. Yeah. Next time we got a meeting coming up soon. Yeah, a couple weeks. Some new adventure. Well, speaking of new adventure, we are in Waterdeep now. Right. And uh, and I wanted to do a little clarification from last time. <laughs> I, I was a hot mess. I thought I was prepared to start talking about Waterdeep. And, um, and so... We did some description. Uh, We did a Session Zero conversation about the characters. Uh, We introduced all the characters and and then got into the story. And where I became flummoxed, I think that's this is a good place to use that word. (laughs) And uh, and even still, sometimes I'm thinking about this little adventure that you, uh, let's see, Nikistos, uh, Bolii, and Kervek went on. Because if you recall... Laser Wolf 2 or just the three of us? Oh, yeah. Laser, Laser Wolf. Wolf. Yep. Thank you for clarifying that. And then um, because Caladan and Arios were in prison for, 
for uh, the drawing of a rapier in a public place. But so the adventure was that uh, Volo hired you to go rescue his friend Floon. And I got all mixed up because just, I actually, I was about as confused as the kidnappers. Because <laughs> here's the story. The kidnappers kidnapped Floon, and you learned all of this from Dirk, Watt, and Rick in the Skewer Dragon. The drunks. Which you weren't sure if you should trust their information, because, mm-hmm. yeah, they were, they were lit. <laughs> but Floon and Rainier were at the Skewer Dragon having a good time, and they left... And they were both kidnapped because the half-orc that, and you don't know this, but in a little bit you will, (laughs) the half-orc was hired to kidnap them, but he couldn't tell the difference between Floon and Rainier. And so he just grabbed them both. But he wanted Rainier. He wanted, well, I think he wanted Floon. Wanted Floon. Yeah, for one reason or another. Because kidnapping a noble, would that would bring too much attention. Got it, okay. So grabbed them, took them to the warehouse that you'd gone to, and at that point decided he knew who Floon was, grabbed him. They shoved Rainier into a closet, which is where you guys found him, in the warehouse. Then they took him on, and that is where we pick it up. Okay. Because, because, uh, and and sorry, that was, I I totally had that all messed up, but I was about as confused as the guy who kidnapped them both, because... He couldn't tell the difference between the two of them. But he was taking them someplace, which is where you're headed. I'm a very bad note taker during gameplay, and I need to do better. Because I didn't have any... I had only my memory to go on. And and so I have all of these little vignettes in my head, but I am very fuzzy on what order they took place. And that is a challenge of recapping. Mm -hmm. That uh, that there's some little details. And I, I love it when we all get together. And then, yeah. and then you or I, whoever's DMing, says, okay, why don't you guys recap what happened last time? I use that as the DM to sort of get myself, make sure I didn't miss something that they thought they saw or heard or that you guys thought you saw or heard. Um, but I, I, what I always find funny or amusing is when everyone kind of looks across at each other and says, I didn't write anything down from last session. <laughs> and so nobody really knows uh, what was going on. And so then, you know, it's up to you or I to kind of, okay, this is where we are. And yes. I, I don't usually do a whole lot of recap. I just say, this is where you are. Yeah. And let's yeah. let's start here then. Yes, note-taking can be challenging. I, I don't do a bad job unless we are in combat. I hardly ever write down combat. Yeah, um, that doesn't make, that's not a very, it's not a very sensible use of your... Brain yeah, power at I'm, that I'm, point. You'd I'm be thinking more in strategy and stuff like that. So, all right. So we we had left the warehouse and with Rainier. With Rainier, and uh, and one thing I forgot to mention that was kind of a cool moment that uh, you and I'm glad you said Laser Wolf because it made me think of this. Is in that battle in the warehouse there was like a ledge, a ra- like a, a loft that the Kenku were up in, mm-hmm. and some of you had gone up in there, and I don't remember. I don't know if you remember this. But uh, Laser Wolf was down on the ground, and he used the Thorn Whip spell to uh, lasso or, or whip one of the Kenku up on the ledge. And he, he got him, and then he just shoved him down, because one of the pieces of the Thorn Whip is you can pull them 10 feet. Mm-hmm. So he pulled him right off the ledge, dropped him, and it ended up uh, defeating, killing the uh, Kenku. So Kenku, Kenku must be flightless bird. Um, I, you know, I, I think they are. Yeah. Don't hold me to that though. But no, he wouldn't have had time to, he wouldn't have time to, uh, what'd you say? Like emus. Emus, yes, exactly. (laughs) Just like emus, except they carry swords. (laughs) And talk. And and, and communicate. So that's where we are. When you leave the warehouse, the city watch are showing up. They've been tipped off oh, right. that something had been going on there. And actually, you learn that they had sort of staked out that warehouse, but it just recently removed the stakeout to try to uh, spread spread the watch a little bit more around. Because something you did note at one point that we didn't talk about last time was you when you're walking through the streets to get to, to the warehouse or to the alley where the warehouse was, you did come across the part in the dock ward where a street fight had just taken place and the city watch were kind of getting things back into mm-hmm. control. 
and you noted that there were two factions of men who had been fighting. Um, one that had a serpent a tattoo on their mm-hmm. arms, and the other had this tattoo that was a circle that looked like an eye with mm-hmm. um, like s- spikes or spokes coming off of it. And so two factions that you took note of. So when you leave the warehouse, you noted that, or you met with the City Watch uh, captain, Hyustus Stur- uh, Sturgeon, I think, or it was something like that, and kind of a stiff no-nonsense kind of guy. Mm-hmm. I think I gave him a bit of a, uh, like a British, you know, a police officer kind of feel to him. <laughs> you discussed what you had come across and all that kind of stuff, and he mm-hmm. shared that with you about, you know, well, they've been watching this warehouse and whatnot. You also get the idea that he's a little lazy but doesn't ever want to portray that in sight. You also noted that he and Rainier had a recognition of one another, and once okay. that happened, that the that that Hyustis sort of like fixed his collar and kind yeah. of primmed up and, and tried to be a little bit more official. Uh, once he realized that Rainier, who I don't know if we talked about this last time or not, but Rainier is a noble. Yes. Uh, Rainier never mm-hmm. remembers his name. His father yeah. actually was the the name's escaping me, but the 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 head of Waterdeep, but did some bad stuff and was exiled. Nonetheless. Uh, so you meet Hyustus, and I just want to make sure we talked about that because Hyustus does come back in the story, mm-hmm. and so this was your first interaction with him. Yeah, we were very worried that we were going to end up with Caladan and Arios in prison, I think, so we were <laughs> trying to think fast. And Well, he did hand you the code legal when he uh, when he talked about that, and, and he mentions to you, because you have the option, you did ask him about you know, continuing this investigation of the kidnapping because you were aware of his investigation or he made you aware of his investigation. And they, he basically tells you, Hyustis tells you, hey, leave the dirty work to the city watch. Stay out of, stay out of people's business. He also says, hey, also don't, don't be mistaken. Not all city watchers are as friendly as me. <laughs> and then he gave you a statement that he, that you've heard from other City Watch around the area, and their 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 go to statement to the to the citizens is keep the blood off the streets. Okay, <laughs> in other words, don't do the fighting on the streets. Yeah. But he does know that you're going to a sewer, so he he doesn't necessarily discourage you, but he gives you all sorts of make sure you don't bring this to the streets. Make sure keep this stuff because he has no interest in sending the watch to the sewers. That's just okay. not his. That's not his gig. Right. So let's see, there are a couple other items of business take place at this point, I think. No, actually, I think you do go straight to the straight to the sewers. Mm-hmm. You're, you're looking for Floon, and you've given you've been giving information or given information that the sewers are where you're headed. This is I I think I think we were on edge through a lot of this, but this is where I felt particularly on edge going down into the sewers for the first time. It just seemed mm-hmm. that much more dangerous. And we'd already, already had a rough fight with Kenku in the, yeah. in the warehouse. So I didn't know what was coming, with that. But and your first level. Yes, we're st- we were level. still just first level. And you're down two guys. Yes. Because they're sitting in prison, the slammer. Mm-hmm. So we had a bard, a druid, an artificer, and a warlock. Yep. Not a single. No. Tank. And you had Rainier. Yes who asked you for a weapon, so you knew he was going to... He'd be willing to do some fighting, but you We just, knew we could do damage, which I just realized we couldn't necessarily take it. That's right. That's right. So you head into the sewers, and you're tracking the... Uh, the Zan- You do know now that you're tracking the Xanathar. The The warehouse was under the... Xantarum? Uh, the, the Xantarum. And they had gone in there and taken out, and, and, and I forget the details of it, but the, this is part of the battle that you are aware of now, especially after talking to Hyustus Stagit is his name. Okay. You head to the sewers, and it, it, it it's like you would expect. There was ankle deep, some places it got a little deeper, putrid smell, mm-hmm. all that kind of lovely stuff. And a little maze-like, but you do find a, a door that leads into some corridors. 
and initially you came across a little bit of resistance, you came across some goblins. I found from, again, from the character standpoint, a bard is, I mean, they always say sort of jack of all trades, Mm -hmm. and at first level anyway, it was kind of fun to see how much damage he could actually deal just with his crossbow. That's what I remember from that battle for for him was that he was able to drop some goblins just with crossbow shots. Mm. Um, And I think just by default, he also ended up in front more often than not because he was, you know, it had to be one of them that was going to take the damage. And I think Mm -hmm. his AC was higher than most of the others. So I thought... Okay, it's got to be him. So that started a pattern that sort of intensifies for a while. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, because, t- yeah, Nikistos does find himself kind of mixed in melee quite a bit from here on out mm-hmm. for quite a while. Yes. Um, and, and okay, that's interesting. Interesting commentary on... Because it, it does shape sort of the way the group kind of comes together as yeah. we move forward. Yes, so it becomes, yes, a very strange group when the bard is your tank. Yep, <laughs> absolutely. So you 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 come across some other, uh, you, you come across a, a Duergar in this group who makes some deals with you. I've forgotten about him. Yeah, his name was Zemk and Krentz uh, were a couple of them. And then you come across the great ooze and whatnot. But we'll cut to the chase and, uh, and you do find the uh, area in which the Xanathar are, call- are calling their hideout. Yes. And I don't know if you have any recollection of entering that room. I do. I. This is where it's so hard not to metagame. Okay. When we entered and we saw the creature at the other end, I was, I was still new to D&D. And to be honest, I'm not nearly as steeped in the lore as most people Mm-hmm. that do podcasts and things like that. <laughs> but I knew enough to know that the guy sitting on the chair at the other end was bad news. And I, I'm not sure I remember. I would have been able to pull the name of the monster out of my head. Mm-hmm. But I remember thinking, are you... How are, <laughs> how are we going to get out of this one? This is, this is not going to end well. Yes, so the creature in which you're referring to is standing at the other end, and it's a long it's a long sort of narrow room. It's only 15 feet wide, but it's about 60 feet long. Mm-hmm. And so at the other end, when, when you guys walked in, and I sensed this, I sensed what you had just what you just shared because <laughs> I know Chris knew. Yes. Uh, Chris I, I, in fact, I think everybody else at the table knew what that was exactly. and, and if, if and I think everyone had the same response. Because at the other end of the table was a mind flare. That's <laughs> a table. At the other end of the room was a mind flare, and he was holding a brain with legs that we yeah. now know as an intellect devourer. Probably fortunate for all of you, there was another individual in there that is the the half orc that had done the kidnapping, mm-hmm. and because he had been grabbing the wrong people and sort of gathering the attention of adventurers like you and. Uh, the city watch, like Hyustus, the mind flayer. He was the 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 half the half orc was kind of in hot water, and so the minute you guys walked in to try to atone for his errors, he instantly attacks you. I know that doesn't sound like that would be a good thing, but it's one of those blessings in disguise, right? Because that actually allowed the mind flayer to slip out. He didn't want to deal with adventurers, mm-hmm. and so. He, the half-orc engaged you. The Mind Flayer sets the Intellect Devourer down. It, it runs over to engage with you guys. And the Mind Flayer slips out through a secret passage. Yes. I was kind of surprised. This is stepping about two steps forward. I was kind of surprised that you went and found... Like, you went to look and see where he went. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought that maybe you guys would just kind of leave well enough alone. But you did go look. But I think I, think I was... I don't know about... I can't speak for Kervek, but Nikistos and me, by extension, was worried, when's it going to come back? Yeah. want to at least see where it disappeared to. Mm-hmm. And and I suppose, first level bravado, you know, oh, he ran, let's yeah. get him. Sort of a, a an idea that 
was not entirely wise, as we'll find out because Arios later on also has that kind of an instinct. Yes, yeah, you're right. He so, does. So it wasn't just me. So you have a nice fight. <laughs> it was a nice fight. You defeat the half orc. You mm-hmm. defeat the intellect devourer. I don't want to say it was an easy fight, but I don't recall the details of it. Other than I, I, I don't think anyone went down, but it was it was a it was a difficult, challenging fight for first level. Yeah, um, because you're dealing with something that does psych- psychic damage that is small and kind of hard to fight. Fight when you've got a big giant half orc bearing down on you. Okay, so Floon is there, and Floon is is unconscious but not dead somebody, I don't remember who it was, gave him a potion or something like that. You also noted that Rainier was pretty handy with the sword. Yes. Uh, yes. In that fight with the yeah. with the half-orc. Probably, I don't know, it probably was the equalizer of this half-orc and intellect devourer and a party of first level. He he definitely was quite... Yeah. That worked out well. F- I mean, from the player standpoint, I thought you handled that really well because that was... It made us feel a little safer... But it also didn't feel like we were just observers. Oh, yeah. He right. he did have, you know, he had the, the the rapier, but that's fine. But he could only poke one thing one turn. Right. So we're going to have to still get in there and do some stuff. Yeah. So then, as we mentioned, you you've pursued and, and kind of investigated where the Mind Flayer went. And you walk into a room. And I don't know if you recall what was in that room. But there was a stone pillar with a small symbol in the center of that room. Mm-mm. And I'll just read the description from the... Uh, um, we're using the Waterdeep Dragon Heist book for this adventure. And it, it says there in the center was a, uh, a perfect circle with uh, 10 equidistant spokes radiating, radiating outward from its circumference. In the middle of the circle is a smaller circular indentation that bears a passing resemblance of a lidless eye therefore matching the symbols that you saw on you know some of the other, some of the men in the street fight and in the warehouse and uh, places like that mm-hmm. so you don't find anything else of note there except we do find something on the way out but let's take a little break before yep. we uh, talk about that so we'll be right back on teachers in the dungeon and we are back, Teachers in the Dungeon. I'm Tom Gross with Dan Ream, and we are talking about our Waterdeep adventure. Teachers in the Sewer at the moment. Yes, it is Teachers in the Sewer. <laughs> yes, a putrid sewer with mind flares and intellect devourers and half-orcs and torture and all that kind of lovely stuff. But you've taken care of all the baddies. Well, yeah. one of them left, thank goodness. Mm-hmm. But you you handled the others, and you've now rescued both Rainier and Floon. So you need to get back to... The, your agreement with Volo was you'd meet him back in uh, the, the, yawning portal. the yawning portal, but you're still in the sewer. Yeah. So you do a little bit of search. There's some other passages off of this lair. Um, you come across their food stores and things like that, but you find a secret door in this room that goes down a hallway, and this hallway comes and, and dead ends, and you discover that at that dead end is another secret door. You open that up, right. and to the shock of an individual who is standing in this tiny little room that you recognize less as a sewer room and more of like somebody's cellar mm-hmm. is a halfling who goes, Oh my goodness. What you? And you, <laughs> you graciously explain your situation and blah, blah, blah. And you discover that this individual, his name is Mr. Peabody mm-hmm. and you are in his cellar where he is brewing some ale. Yes. And he has no other real choice other than, and you seem nice enough that he brings you upstairs into his home and he shares with you, he has he has a wife and, and a couple of boys, and he shares with you that knowing that that's a secret passage that he never knew anything about, and so he shares with you how uncomfortable he feels about being in that space, but he's, he's grateful that you were kind to him, and so... He kind of leaves you with like, okay, well, see you later. Uh, <laughs> and uh, kind of nervous and, and send you on your way. may not seem important right now, but it's going to in about five minutes. <laughs> so you go back to the yawning portal. We do. And you meet with Volo. Yes. So we were able to hand that over. And actually, I, again, details escape me, so I have to fill it in. But 
I do know that our reward was the deed to some property rather than actual cash, which I don't know if we were upset with at the time or if we thought or if we were excited by. Oh, I wasn't sure how you guys would respond to that because Volo, if you don't know much about Volo, he is all like glitz and glamour. He's like from the 1920s. He's glitz and glamour, but he's rotten in the core. He has nothing. He has he's just destitute. <laughs> I don't know if it's quite that bad, but he he just doesn't have money. And so yeah, he he's so thankful to you that Rainier it, Rainier really is his is his good friend. He's he's acquaintance with Floon. Okay. No, it's Rainier and Volo are the best of friends. Okay. But Floon is a, a friend of that group. So Volo is so thankful to you. And he's apologetic that he has no money. He cannot give you the funds that he promised. But yes, I've, he's got this deed to a property <laughs> up in the North Ward. And he's kind of like, eh, it could use a little bit of work, but it's it, it's what I've got to give you. And actually, I think you guys are pretty excited about that. I think we followed Chris's lead. Yeah, because Chris, Chris was super excited yes. about it. And, uh, and maybe because Kervec knows the city, wants to establish himself in the city, and we'll have some details about maybe why that would be a little bit later, but but so you guys are, are perfectly happy to um, accept that deed. Do we go there? You do. First? So, yeah. again, what I remember is still sort of easing into this whole other aspect of playing D&D, the social interaction, and, and world building isn't quite the right term, this is one of those things where trying to explain this to somebody on the outside, it makes no sense how yeah. this could be so fun and exciting. <laughs> it just, it sounds so bizarre. But yes, we, we got to the to the Troll Skull Manor and you had a map for us and everything for us to look at. And Chris really got into it and he, he did pull the rest of us in. So nice that, I mean, he's he's been such a catalyst in so many ways mm-hmm. in our games. Yeah. And so, you know, he he decided we need to pick out rooms and again, me as a player, I'm like, why? Why would I? Okay, okay. You know, and so that I was, I, I used, you know, Nikistos is pretty affable. He doesn't think much about money, doesn't think much about any of this stuff. And so he just let everybody else pick and then he just went wherever. Yeah, I thought that was funny that one of the first items of, of importance was picking out rooms to, <laughs> to sleep in. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, you, you let us know there was a, eventually there was another inhabitant of sorts. Yeah. This is one of those things where me is still a fairly new <coughs> player. I missed the possibilities, but Chris Kervec was all over mm-hmm. trying to communicate with this spirit that inhabited the, yeah. the place. So a couple things to talk about here is, first of all, we dove right into talking about like the building it's uh the building itself and and uh, and the spirit but this this building is in disrepair yes when you yeah. when you approach it, it it it's not like falling apart but it definitely has not been lived in in years and and when you walk in it's it's dirty it's dusty broken furniture in the main floor which is the tavern so to give a little description and we could probably do a picture of this on Instagram and Twitter oh, yeah. when we release this. But the first floor is the tap room with the kitchen and a pantry, and then underneath that is, is a cellar. And then the second floor has a common room and has a bedroom and a den. Then it, there's a third floor to this troll school manor that has mostly uh, bedrooms and a library. Then there is the garret up on top that has a storage room and a bedroom, and then there is a, a turret uh, that is, you can access through a, a trapdoor type of situation. You went about doing, claiming those spots, even though I mean it was livable. I mean you were adventurers, so mm-hmm. you were you were able to claim those spots, but by no means could you just turn key, open this up for business right no, away. No. So yes, when you're in when you are in the tavern area, the tap room, you did note that there seemed to be movement or shuffling or something mm-hmm. and yes you discover that there is a spirit there which and oh go ahead i always say which just becomes part of the the general atmosphere of the place which becomes fun mm-hmm. 
and Chris Kervek takes it upon himself to try to, which Warlock, that makes sense. Yeah. I guess that he'd be the most interested in trying to right. contact this this individual. Have we got, do we pick up Kaladin and Eros yet? Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, we didn't. When you went back to to Sivolo, uh, that's it. where you picked up. Yeah, they, they were released. They knew to come back there. Yep. And, uh, bracelets and... Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Ariel. Now, let's be clear. If you missed the first episode, Arios was not in trouble. Arios went just to sort of be a good friend. Yeah, that's uh, kind of nice. I don't. It's kind of nice of the prison of Waterdeep to allow someone to just come and stay, just come <laughs> and <laughs> hang out with the prisoner. I what? I, how I pictured it was they gave Arios a little stool to sit on outside <laughs> the bars, and they put Caladan in the bars, and so Arios sat out in in just sort of the hallway, I guess, for lack of a better term. Um, Practice his uh, katas and forms and whatever else a monk would right, do. Right, exactly. Th- this is one of those things where the th- certain threads describing Troll Skull leap us ahead, but at the same time, I don't know how much of a, just an overall picture you want to create now as far as what we did, what, as players, you know, how we used that space that you created. Are you referring to in terms of, like, what's in the adventure versus what did you guys add, or...? You kind of set this in front of us, and it. I, I remember that a couple of us got excited and made suggestions, and then that led to other suggestions, and it really began to snowball oh, yeah. and become... I wouldn't say a, a huge... Plot point isn't quite the right term, but it does become a major part of our gameplay in Waterdeep. It does, yeah. I would call it setting, almost. Okay, like yes, setting that makes sense uh, that you guys created here, an environment for yourselves. And so this is where, as the DM, I would love to like get comments from people or an email from someone who's run this adventure, because this is where, as the DM, I kind of say to my, like, I'm sitting there as you guys are talking, and I'm really excited, like, I'm excited about the things you guys are talking about, what you want to do with the Troll School Manor, because you, you guys took it, it was almost like a session of business and economics, yes. as you guys were talking about, like, okay, how much is it going to cost to put this back together, and we're going to need new furniture, and we're going to need this and that. That's where, that's the part where I think, out, outside, anybody that doesn't know the game would just shake their head. Yeah. Because we're just creating, we're just inventing all this as we go. <laughs> it's but total imagination. <laughs> it, becomes, it becomes real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so did we, from where you were sitting, we were running way ahead of... I wasn't sure where, where it was going to go. And this is where a lot of times in when we play Waterdeep, sometimes I just sit back and I let you guys kind of take the story and run with it. And it's it's not a single thing that I prepared. I mean, I figured you would you would come into Troll School Manor. I figured you would accept it. At that point, I was like, well, I don't know whether they'll try to inhabit or whether they'll just kind of be like, okay, so we got that, put it in your back pocket and continue on with right. the adventure. Right. But so you guys decided to take the, you know, the left fork at the road and you developed this story of of the manor because not only did we talk about the economics of building it back up, but you also then like became good neighbors because I gave you the map of mm-hmm. the alley and you guys are kind of at the entrance of the alley. And that was Chris and Mark that really took that on. And quickly, I mean, I, I think you're going to circle back, but it seems like mm-hmm. a good time to mention this may have been total serendipity or you may have planned it, but as we were talking about how to get this on its feet, all of a sudden we remembered that the halfling that looked scared was a brewer. And we thought, oh, what if we offered him a safe place to live and in our in our tavern and he could create his own line of ales? We'll have the Peabody Stout and some other, I forget, we had some other names. Yeah. And so we went back you let us run back to him and make the offer and he was quick to jump on it so moved his whole family into yeah. troll school alley the or <laughs> troll school manor his wife was able to start cleaning and and helping us with that and the kids were there too mm-hmm. and and from there again it just ex- exploded chris went and visited all the neighbors yep Kervek, i should mm-hmm. say and Marcus, of course, was right along with that. Mm-hmm. And I think we all went at that point 
as players following Chris's lead. So I remember going around to all of them, but I don't remember much other than there was a rival tavern owner, Floon? Froon. Froon. Yeah. Yeah, we had Floon and Froon. Okay. Froon, who was not as friendly. Yeah. And that's, I think that's a story for another day. It is, definitely. But, definitely. Uh, but some, so some important points to talk about uh, the, the, what you had just kind of described. You needed, you needed funds mm-hmm. to update the, the Troll Skull Manor. So, and you did not have those funds, being first-level characters and adventurers. And so you remembered that half-orc. <laughs> yes, Muckluck. Muckluck from... <laughs> Who from, is flush. Yes, and you noted that he, he was... As players, you knew who he was, and as players, you knew he was loaded, mm-hmm. but your characters didn't, but you guys pulled out some details that I gave you, and that, that he was, you know, well-dressed, and, and had a job, and was well-established in the Tavern of Durnans, that I can't remember the, uh, <laughs> I can't, I never remember the, the name of that portal. tavern. The Yawning Portal, thank you. And so, you went to him, and he forwarded you 200 gold pieces, and I'd given you some some numbers. I had talked about that to repair furniture, fix uh, fixtures, signage, new glasses, and mugs in that area. And one thing that I thought was really cool, and so some people listening might be like, that's all you were going to charge them? It's because you had done the extra effort of meeting the people in your alley, and many of them could do the, the, the jobs that you needed done. Because they had an interest in the Troll Skull Manor, because besides you and Froon, there was nothing else that drove traffic into the manor unless they're going to a destination of wanting, you know, woodworking or armor or, you know, mm-hmm. metalwork or something like that. And so these business owners, they're like, the, a thriving tavern would be only good for the for the alley. Right. And so I gave you guys a good deal on that. So I, I said if, to fix up all of that would be 150 gold pieces. You also knew, because as we mentioned, Chris had created this cool relationship with the spirit that lives in there. His name was Leaf, L-I-F. And Chris created sort of this playful Mm -hmm. kind of relationship with this ghost that haunts, I'm doing air quotes there, because it's not, it could have gone both ways. It's written in the adventure that if you attack, and you don't kill it, it could cause a lot of problems and strife for you. Mm-hmm. But you befriended it, and so it became nothing but helpful. So it actually did a lot of the cleanup for you. I remember Chris set a broom out before going to bed, mm-hmm. and when you came back, the floor was all swept, and the cobwebs were taken off the wall, and things <laughs> like that. Um, I so, forgot about that. So it was 150 gold pieces to update and sort of just clean up new materials in the tavern. Then we determined that it would be five gold pieces a day to run the tavern. Plus, you needed to buy some some ale we to just gonna, get started. Yes, and we had to buy from our competitor. That was where that kind of started <laughs> up, yeah. Because yes. you went and you purchased some kegs from him, and he was like, well, I'm, and he gave you some kind of crummy kegs and things like that. But Muckluck was willing to invest 200 gold pieces in, this, in the Trollskull Manor. And he also gave you a contact for a sort of a, a bouncer, for lack of a better word. He's really kind of more security. And his name was Grumsh, mm-hmm. uh, named after the, the orc god, but not evil like that. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I think his family thought that maybe he would just be a, a bully and a fighter and whatnot, but he actually was a nice guy. Yeah. And so he and Muckluck were kind of friends, and so Muckluck gave him a job with you, or mm-hmm. sent him to you for a job, to sort of hang around and just be around the property uh, in the evenings. So we had security, we had a brewer, we had a barkeep. The only thing you didn't have, because, and, and, and I think the other thing to note here is, is you recognize that you didn't, you wanted this manor, but you didn't want it, you were adventurers. Yeah. And you don't want to be locked here, but yes. you also wanted it sort of as home base and you saw the opportunity in it. And so the last thing you needed was a server. Yes. Because you didn't want to tie up Mr. and Mrs. Peabody in serving because they've got children. Mm-hmm. They are baking, they are making, and things like that. By the way, you mentioned the the brews and all that kind of thing. So I took inspiration from you. As the DM, I grabbed inspiration from you as player because 
you would you as we talked about last time were giving names to your songs mm-hmm. rather than just saying i'm going to play a song to inspire i'm going to do this to, you have titles and you have a playlist so i was like okay i could just describe that oh mr Peter Adi brings out this nice red ale or he brings out this pilsner or whatever i gave names and so i i wanted to mention the yes names. yes i knew there were more um although maybe i should let me hold off on that just a moment because we need to talk about the person you get you hire to be the server yeah and that might be a good way to end today. Oh. Um, this session is to talk about getting the last piece of the puzzle. Oh, yeah. So you want to just pause there? And, no, we'll, and we'll... We'll talk about that? We'll okay. talk about... And then, uh, and then yes, the... the and share this, and then we'll yes. close it. All right, perfect. Cool. Uh, so, ladies and gentlemen, that's what you have to look forward to in the next two, three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> we plan meticulously, as you can tell. That's right. Then, so, I'll let you share that story, because well, you had someone in mind. So, you'll have to... You will have to add in, but I know that Nikistos was very affected by the plight of Bree, the serving girl that was at the Skewered Dragon. Yes. And so we do return. This this may turn into a much bigger story than it should. I'll try to keep it quick. But this was another instance where we had some characters jostling for yes. roles. Because mm-hmm. we all went back there, and and my thought was this is the perfect, perfect position for Nikistos to help make this happen. He can persuade, he can deceive, he can perform, <laughs> he can make this much easier. But Caladan, the way that Dan had conceived Caladan, he was very much a showman yep. as well as fighter. And so he saw his role as, you know, we hadn't talked ahead of time really, Mm-hmm. We just went there and we're going to see what happened. Right. And we kind of stepped on each other's toes as characters and, and honestly as players mm-hmm. trying to help this Brie. Right. And it was, it just worked out in bigger picture story wise. I thought it worked out in an entertaining way. I think that mainly because my character actually succeeded. But, yeah. you know, so Dan was allowed to, Caladan went forward and tried to. Uh, perform some acts of daring do, but he didn't roll very well. Yeah, the the dice were not friendly to him yes. that day. Mm-hmm. And so that's when, so I had Nikistos kind of put an arm around his shoulder and say, follow my lead. Yeah. And then and then we worked together. I feel like I, I, I don't want this to turn into, look at all the great things I did. But within the, within the game, looking back, it was kind of a fun character moment where both sides are trying to figure out, all right, how do we do this? Yeah. So anyway, we were able to distract, we were able to talk to Bree and ask, you know, we can get you out of here. Do you want to come? Mm-hmm. And she immediately jumped at that. And this is where my mind goes blank. This is like the worst possible time, how it actually went down. You so you you used sort of uh, cloak and dagger techniques here because while you and Caladan were sort of distracting the father, the owner of the skewer dragon, Bully Eye, Laser Wolf, actually Laser Wolf, I think sort of played just making sure nothing. He he kind of stood in the back mm-hmm. and made sure if anything went wrong that the city watch would stay out and whatnot so but Bolii and Karavec went to Bree and they used their persuasion over there and of course Karavec had an interest because he thought you know he was not romantically interested but he he found her to be you know attractive and that mm-hmm. kind of thing and so he goes to her with Bolii and you guys did the distraction on the side and I want to say like they sort of threw cloak around her and ushered her right on out mm-hmm. while you guys did all of that. And then you left and the father didn't even recognize right away until you were gone that Bree had even left. Yes. And you guys scampered back to, to the Troll School Manor and offered her that, that opportunity for a job. And she, she was super, super grateful. And it was it worked out nicely because there was a family there and very kindly mm-hmm. helped take her in and sort yeah. of made her, you know, just one more one more of their kids. Almost. Yes, absolutely. And yeah, the Peabody's very very loving and, and caring and, and took care of her. And quite you a bit. sort of you created this 
an interesting character in her and that she wanted to, she also wanted to learn how to brew. Yes. And so she has that opportunity. Growing up in in the environment which she did, she always saw her escape from her father as being, you know, to, to leave and open her own establishment. So this, this gives her that opportunity to continue that uh, in a safe space. When she meets, she, she was a little leery and concerned when she went with all of you. Mm-hmm. But then when she saw that the Peabody's were there and that it was a very different environment than what she came from, she's much more comfortable. So so that's the story of you guys getting Brie. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting. Of hiring Brie. Mm-hmm. And so now, really, your Troll School Manor is pretty well employed. Yep. You have protection, you have people to cook and make and brew, and then you have a server. And even the boys had jobs, like they were in charge of lighting the candles and the, the sconces outside in the evening and stuff like that. So the ales, Mr. Peabody, when yes. he starts, yes. when Bree and Mr. Peabody start working together. Now it's limited because your cellar wasn't huge, mm-hmm. but you were able to start the brewing process. And while the, the, they were getting the, the manor up and running, because you're about to leave town. But as they start getting the, the, everything up and running, these are the t- these are the brews in which they had created. They created a golden ale that was called Peabody's Best. That's the one that was his, his recipe that he was working on at his home that they left. Okay. Then there's the Troll Skull Stout, which is oh, a dark stout. Okay. And then there is a clean, light, white wine titled Leaf, named after the ghost in your uh, manor. And then Froon's Brew, and we'll talk about Froon's later, but (laughs) Froon's Brew is a red ale. And then Brie really wanted to have a a really tasty ale, and so it's a blonde ale called Brie's Blonde Ale. And so right now as it stands, uh, that's that's what eventually the Troll School Manor will be uh, serving. Mrs. Peabody even had some some dishes and things that, that, that were... So we had a full she, menu. Yeah, she did. She created a really nice menu. Now, she didn't title them, at least not yet, but she has a soft rye loaf bread, a sticky raisin bun, um, some hard rolls as the basket collection, and then the daily <laughs> menu is uh, she has a beef stew, fresh eggs, bacon, and roast and vegetables are the mainstays nice. at the Troll School yes. Manor. So I don't Pumpkin. know if you aren't if you weren't hungry when you started listening to this, you might want to visit the Troll School Manor, have a drink and a meal. Yes, all good stuff. But that's 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 kind of what it was like though. Mm-hmm. When we when you started, I just sat back and I just tried to take down as many notes as possible. Right. Because you guys were just dreaming up all the cool stuff that could happen here, and, and there's a lot more. Yeah, save that. Tons, tons more. As you're doing all of that, and you sort of establish the the rebuilding of the Troll School Manor. You've got the people in play to kind of get it up and running. You remember that there was a farmer that you had met mm-hmm. at uh, the Yawning Portal. And now that everybody's here, you go back to uh, that idea of what about the farmer yes. that needed help in Saltmarsh? Yes. Yarguth was his name. And so you go back to the Troll School Manor. Nope, Yawning you go back portal. to the Yawning Portal. Oh my gosh, skewer <laughs> dragon, I don't know where we're going. The Yawning Portal, because that's where you met with Yargut the first time. And you mm-hmm. find him still there, kind of just hopefully optimistic that you will come back, and, and you did. Yes. I think that's where we'll leave it yep. for so today. We have another haunting to investigate, but before we do that, we did some shopping. Oh, that's right. So we'll save that for next time, too. Yes, across from across from the Skewer Dragon was a yes. very unique shop mm-hmm. that I forgot that you went to. So we will have to get into that. Yes. Let me just say, I'm, I'm going to close on this note. Running cities are is incredibly complex, but it is so satisfying with the downtime opportunities for all of you. Yes. Yeah. So we'll continue with that conversation and head to what Yarguth needs from you next time. So that is our episode of Teachers in the Dungeon for today. Don't forget to follow us on social media. Yes. Uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We're on all of those locations. Reach out to us. Give I was going to say, once you follow, interact. Yes, yes. We do, we're pretty good at getting back to people and, and mm-hmm. really do enjoy hearing what people have to say. Just uh, couldn't be about the show, but also just about their own D&D adventures or right. hobbies. I just we just interact a little bit with a buddy on online who just got a Kickstarter delivery of it looks like that's 200 right. minis. Yeah. 
<laughs> That's incredible. And and I loved your comment was you plan on painting all those. <laughs> and he said yes. So yeah. it's going to be yeah. Yeah, this you know our show you know we love talking about Dungeons and Dragons, but part of you know I don't know no offense Dan, but sometimes you know it's nice to have other people to communicate <laughs> with as well. And so yes, we love is. your feedback. Yes. We love your feedback. We love building the community. And so let us know if you got something longer to say. Email us at Teachers in the Dungeon at gmail.com and give us more of that information there. We'd love to communicate with you that way. Well, I guess until next week, keep rolling those 20s, and we'll talk to you then. See you soon. That wraps up today's session. So thank you for listening to Teachers in the Dungeon. We appreciate you and your feedback. Until the next time we see you in the dungeon, we hope you roll high on those saving throws. If you enjoyed the show and want to hear what happens in the adventure, subscribe to the podcast. Have questions, thoughts, or ideas? Check the show notes for our website and our contact information. This podcast is not affiliated or endorsed by Wizards of the Coast, Hasbro, or any other third-party Dungeons & Dragons entity. Teachers in the Dungeon is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. All names and sounds and any other related items are properties of their respective trademarks and or copyright holders in the U.S. or abroad. The official Dungeons & Dragons website can be found at www.dnd.wizards.com.